doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. If they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome back to the show, my friends. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you have had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. The world wants to hear your experience. They want to hear your stories. So please get a hold of me and let's get yours on a future episode of Uncomfortable. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at Uncomfortable Podcast 65. And please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. That's the main way you, the listener, can help get this show out in front of more people. And with more people listening, that means more people coming forward with their experiences like tonight's two gentlemen. Also, for those of you that might be looking for a little bit of a change of pace, head over to Uncomfortable Podcast on YouTube and hit subscribe and the notification bell and all the other things that you hit and subscribe to. And uh, that way you're going to be made aware every time I upload a version of the podcast in video format. I'm doing that on a regular basis now. If you're interested in helping support the show, head over to patreon.com slash uncomfortable podcast 770 and check out the three levels we have there. See if anything appeals to you. Or if a standalone contribution is more to your liking, you can do that as well through the red circle sponsor this podcast link both of those links will be in the show notes below september 14th 2024 that's the date for bigfoot and brews and spirits too uh, again being held within the confines of sister lakes brewing company in dwajack michigan uh we've already got uh, ohio's amy boo she is part of the uh olympic project and her own project called project zoo book also, on the paranormal side of things, uh, we're going to change it up a little bit this year, and we're going to have a special guest speaker, and that will be the listener favorite, the Archbishop, Christina Rake. I'm in talks with several other presenters uh, to get them out there for you for your Bigfoot edification. I'll make you aware as I'm hoping to have a lineup solidified by the end of January, 1st of February. Tickets should go on sale soon after that. Um, I will let you know when everything is ready to be viewed on the uncomfortable podcast website 
As for tonight's show, uh, if you listen to one of the most recent episodes you, where I did the email grab bag, you will have heard uh, these gentlemen's uh, email story I got from Keith. And uh, when I read it, uh, some very interesting things. And, and the reason it strikes me is because they are some things that are very similar to some experiences that I had during a kayak trip in the Huron Manistee National Forest. And uh, so I, I was really hoping to, to be able to get these guys on. It was a little bit of a, a little bit of a chore trying to find a day where we get all three of us get together, but we finally did it. And uh, if you would, let's give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Keith and Tim. Gentlemen, welcome to Uncomfortable. Hey, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you here, guys. Um, a little bit of uh, a little bit of transparency here. Keith actually works with my son at the same company and uh, found the podcast through my son. Uh, thanks, Jake, for that. Um, <laughs> Got to have my kids pimping out my uh, my podcast to people. Uh-huh. But um, you know, uh, nice conversations uh, via email and um, interesting stuff. So. You know, if you would, let's let's get into it and just kind of let's start from the beginning. You know, tell me about the day. Tell me about what was, uh, you know, what it was like going in and uh, what you may have looking back on it now, having had a chance to think about it. Any other additional uh, strange things that might have popped into your head after uh, initially talking about this? You can start if you'd like. Keith. OK. Yeah. So what is Leelanau County is that where we're at? Yeah, it's right up in Glen Arbor, essentially. Yeah, so we hunt off uh, state land, uh, <clears throat> take a two-track back to where we hunt. We've hunted there. I mean, you guys have hunted there for 25 years or so, or maybe more. I've hunted there several times with Dad and those guys. But uh, we're driving back on the two-track. Someone was in our initial spot we were going to take, so we drove up the track a little bit further, parked, mm-hmm. And man, the first thing we noticed is dad was walking up the track. You know, I, I don't know if I said in the email, but a big old, what looked like wolf tracks walking down the two track, you know, there's obviously no, no wolf in the lower peninsula, but that thing was bigger is as big as our palms, you know, just walking down the track. Yeah. So dad, that, that was the first thing that was a little odd, I'd say. In that the road that he's talking about is a it's a seasonal road, so it's you know it's it's got access on the lower part. So this part of I think it's still in the Manistee National Forest. There's just lots and lots of hills. So where we enter it is in a very low point, and it's very hilly terrain all the way up to the top of the hill, which is quite a ways up. And there's you know a smattering of houses up at the top so where he's talking about is we're on what i would call like the lower portion of the property and he's right we've been hunting there i mean mid 40s and i've i started gun hunting there when i was first able to so same piece of property essentially so you guys have been on this property for the better part of your young adult through through current times i mean this this place is no strange it's not strange to you at all no and so to to provide a date for that too. So we got up there the day before. So when we were scouting our spot and what Keith's explaining is November 14th. So the day before opening season. 
Yep. So we found a spot. I think we hunted there two years ago too, or something. You know, we yeah. We don't we don't really see <laughs> much deer there, but we saw a deer there the two years before. So we're like, hey, this is the spot. Because I think last year we saw buff kiss for deer. You know, it was like, all right, we know there we saw one deer here. So we went back there. You know, you can still kind of see the road from where we even put the blind. But walked back there. Dad stayed at the truck. Timmy and I set up the blind. He uh, cut down some branches for the, you know, for shooting uh, alleys and whatnot. And uh, just a kind of a two-man blind. <clears throat> you set it down there, and it's one of the pop-up blinds, you know. So you push basically like four spokes up on, on all four sides. And then uh, I have one. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the context of where we're at. And then, uh, man, we hunted the first day and. We didn't have anything, you know, and then. Yeah. So we sat, we sit side by side. There's enough room in there for us, a little table for some of our gear, like binoculars and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and board. we sat there from, what's that? Cribbage board. Cribbage board. Yeah. There's also that, but yeah, we sat there all day and nothing. I wouldn't say anything out of the ordinary happened that day. I mean, not, not a whole lot. Well, so you okay. guys, you guys are, you're, you're, you're in the you're in it early out there just all day yeah the first day we sat all day you know so you're there from you know dark until dark and then i guess the preface of this too like i said i started listening to your podcast never really thought anything about bigfoot or anything and then as we're heading up i'm, <clears throat> I'm i was kind of asking dad like you spent your whole life in the woods you know you always say only spend a few days here and there but like dad's been hunting since he was in diapers and uh i'm like have you ever had any tree knocks you ever had any of this you ever smelt something funky and i'm i'm saying all these things and you know i'm like these guys think i'm crazy <laughs> and then <clears throat> the next day we caught about five of the things i was talking about you know so like when you brought that up with your dad what was his reaction to you? Was it was it the typical rolling his eyes and now uh, you, you're you're freaking nuts, or or did he did he entertain it? I wouldn't say Dad dismissed it. I think he just would say nothing. He would be more in the camp of if he did, he couldn't recall it, but he didn't just dismiss it. He said, "I don't think I've really had any of those things." But I mean, like once we get into what we heard. I could say I've heard some of those things before. It just never, without Keith kind of walking over all that ground that he was telling us about. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said. I just said it was, it was that thing. But no, like I would give him no attribute to what caused it. You know, it's funny that you say that because I've got a good friend of mine, Rob. Um, he he hunts all the time. All right. You know, and again, it's like, you know, he's been hunting since he's been a little kid, but that doesn't mean you're out in the woods 365 days, you know, but he is, uh, he is very proactive. He's, he's out there setting up cameras. He's, he's clearing firing lanes and, you know, the properties that they lease and everything. So, you know, he's out there a lot. And, uh, when I first started talking about this stuff and it was even prior to me doing the podcast, you know, he would, he would look at me like I was nuts. You know, he's like, hey, ain't nothing out there. I've been out there all the time and there ain't nothing. And, you know, at the time, for me anyway, even though I always believed Bigfoot was uh, a legitimate 
and and very likely thing. I always thought that you know in the in the dark recesses of British Columbia in the upper uh, Pacific Northwest, um, you know it, it seemed like uh, a problem that was was relegated far from southern Michigan. Yeah, it's nowhere local, right? It's it's in right. some dangerous different region. Yeah. And uh you know, ever since you know, he's he's started listening to the show and you know, God love him, he's he's become, you know, very a good fan of the show. Um but, you know, I can't tell you how many times now over the past couple of hunting seasons where he'll he'll take pictures or he'll send me a picture off of his trail cam or you know he'll be like man and he recorded some sounds and you know i mean there are some strange sounds out in the woods you know and and a dog howling in a neighborhood that carries through woods is going to sound way different to a hunter sitting out there alone when that sound is traveling a, a long distance rather than you being in the house next door to that dog that's barking and annoying the hell out of you. You know, it's going to be, it's going to have a different sound to it, a different tonal quality. Um, you know, so even, even he, uh, with, with as much as he was like, nah, there ain't nothing like that out there. You know, it's, it's in his head now. And when he's out there and he's hearing these things or he's walking by and he sees something that looks like it would have been picked up and, and put there, you know, on purpose, you know, like uh, twigs or like a structure or something, you know, he's always, he's always talking to me about it, you know, and it, it's, I, I wonder, you know, like in the case of your dad, your dad was never made aware of any of the things that are uh, supposedly per peripheral sounds and, and uh, things that, you know, typically people report having around them when they're in the, in the area of these things, had he been aware of those, you know, and, and much like yourself now, next year, when you go out hunting, I'm guessing that, that those are kind of going to be in the forefront of your mind, as far as you're going to be listening for it. Well, and did that sound just like what I heard last year or. Yeah. And the, like the interesting dynamic we have in the tent is Keith's hearing is trash. He's got like, I don't know, is it your right ear, your left ear that just doesn't simply work? Yeah, my left ear. And my hearing is, my hearing is good, right? So like, you know, he's telling us about, when we drive up, he's saying, you know, I've listened to this podcast and there's all these things we could be aware of. Yeah. And I, I was dismissive. I mean, it, I don't, I didn't have any belief but it in the email, and I know I now know that you've read it. Like that first thing about the crow was, or the bird, it was different, right? Like, and I'm not a bird call master, and I, you know, I can identify some backyard birds, but it just sounded strange. And I was like, dude, are you hearing this? Because I know that. What one is it, Keith? I can't hear shit out of my left one and my right one just as bad. <laughs> Right, and so the first day I was sitting on your left yes, side, left. right, because you were on, yeah. So I was like, "Are you hearing this?" Yeah, so he he hit me in the knee. Anytime there's anything we're hunting, he's like, "Hey, did you hear that?" And I'm like, 
no. You know, then, hey, are you hearing this? Like, well, yeah, I hear this bird <laughs> sounding like it shouldn't. I mean, it's trying to sound like it's trying to sound like a crow. So, so go into that. Let's, let's talk about what, what were you hearing and what was so odd about it? I, I honestly, I don't have a, I don't have like the best recollection of that particular one. The other three I do. So I'd have to rely on Keith on that. Um, but I know like when we're sitting together, it's an experience for us to be together, to spend the time out there too. But like, you know, part of hunting when you're not seeing things or even what we're the whole topic we're discussing is like part of it is auditory and he doesn't really have that. So like you're listening for the of a deer walking through or something like that. So when I was hearing that, I'm like, that just sounds strange, but I don't have the full recollection of that. So I'll have to rely on Keith to explain that one. Yeah. I just remember he's asking and I'm like, yeah, I hear it. And it's like, uh, you know, you hear the crow saying caca or whatever. And this thing was actually like, it was like it sounded like something that we wanted you know like my wife and i yelled our kids could call to like call them in the store if they're you know like going around or something and it really sounded like someone just trying to mimic what you think a crow would sound like you know not like an actual crow calling. you know and that's it's a really interesting thing because you know imitation is something that a lot of people talk about these beings or creatures i tend to think that they're probably closer to us and more of a a a leftover uh type of human than being what some people can some people consider them to be you know actual apes undiscovered apes um i think because of my love for the native american or oral traditions of what they've handed down about these things throughout their existence um, everything leads me to believe that these are more of a, a people, a lost brother. And, uh, you know, I, before we started recording, I was telling you about my, my kayak trip in the, uh, Huron Manistee a few years back. And we, you know, our, our first day we were done, we set up camp. We had a fire going. One guy was just drinking to beat Jesus, man. He, he couldn't get enough beer in him. And uh, me and the other guy, we were just kind of sitting out, hanging out and, and enjoying nature, you know. And um, from across the river, we hear this weird owl sound that was kind of like, you know, and it was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and, you know, it. John says, I think he said it's barred owl. And I was like, eh, that doesn't sound right. You know, and the interesting thing about it was we had we had it happening from across the river. My guess was probably parallel to where we were at. So like directly across the river. And then you would hear one that was way off behind us, back down the river, considerably farther away, you could tell. And then you'd hear one that was considerably further up. And it always went in that same pattern. You heard the one across, you heard the one behind, you heard the one ahead. You hear the one across, the one behind, the one ahead. And that went on for for quite a while. And we ended up, finally I said, all right, everybody just be quiet. And I pulled out my phone and I I hit my recorder, my voice recorder on it. And I got got a, 
I got, you know, probably two or three minutes of, of it doing repeatedly. And, uh, the guy that was drinking, he just, he was like, he got up, took a piss, came back, opened up another beer. And then he was like, no, I'm done. And he went and he got in his hammock. And so then it was just, and he had just put a log on the fire. So, you know, then John and I look at each other and we're like, oh, shit, man, we got to stay here till this thing burns down now, you know? And, uh, it's what really struck me as weird is once he left and went to go get in, into his hammock, then we heard tree knocks, but it was two whack, whack, whack whack you know a few minutes apart and the rest of the night was the night from hell because it, it was i i bought a bunch of stuff off of amazon as far as going on this trip i bought a, a two-man hammock it was i don't know i don't know in what part of the world two human beings could have fit in that i couldn't <laughs> i could barely fit my ass in that thing i sat down in it i flipped out backwards tore the mosquito net out the rain, uh, the rain tarp was two feet too short. There was no way it was, it was either going to cover my head and not my feet or my feet and not my head. Um, you know, I, I had the, the, the foil packets of the reconstituted food that you had boiling water to my stomach was churning. I was like, it was, it was a horrible night. And, uh, once we decided the two of us to go back to, to lay down, um, I mean, it was five minutes and I heard John snoring and I was laying there and I start hearing splashes in the water and like heavy splashes, like, poosh, you know, that, that when you take a big rock and you throw it in the water and you get that loop uh -huh. and then you get the poosh of the water, I kept hearing it and I'm like, Okay, so, you know, we're right next to the river. The river is running, so there's some there's some ambient noise from the, the water moving anyway. I know fish are going to come up to the surface and get insects and, and whatever. But they're typically not, like, porpoising out of the water and doing a belly flop going back in to get an insect. They're coming up, they're breaking the surface of the water, they're getting their insect, and, and then they go back down. And I just kept hearing these, these big splooshes of water. And I'm like, you know, you know, what, what, what kind of water animal are there in the Huron Manistee? You know, I mean, you got beaver, you, you know, there, I'm sure there's a couple of different things, but typically those things aren't jumping off of a, a, a tree trunk and, and doing swan dives and belly flops into the river. You know, they're just coming down to the edge and they slide in and they, they take off. Right. You know, so I'm like, you know, now I'm thinking it's like, all right, when there were three of us sitting at the fire, we were hearing three owls that sounded off. It didn't, it sound like something making the sound try to be like an owl. And then once the other guy got back up, now we're hearing two tree knocks. And then I was like, there was only two of us at the fire. So if there was something sitting a distance away, looking at us at one point they would have seen three silhouettes and that was during the time when we were hearing the three owls right going forward back and ahead uh -huh. then he gets up and goes and now we're hearing tree, two tree knocks 
And each time it happens, it's two. And now there's only two of us sitting at the fire. So they're, if there's something looking at us, they're only seeing two. So I'm like, you know, I start thinking about that as a component of their, is that a component of their communication? Is that a way that they're like, okay, there's three. And well, now, now, now there's two, you know? And I mean, by time I got into, into my cot and, put on every layer of clothing that I had brought with me because it got so goddamn cold and we weren't expecting it. You know, I was literally laying there and I was afraid to go to sleep. I did not want to close my eyes and go to sleep. And I didn't want to get up and go 15 yards away from camp and dig a hole so I could do my business because I knew, <laughs> you know, that there was something out there that was going to be sitting behind a tree looking at me laughing saying, look at the, the hairless monkey taking a, taking a dump in the, in the hole. You know, it, it wasn't until it started to get light, it, my guess was probably around 5.30 or so in the morning, that I was actually able to relax. And I ended up sleeping for about an hour, hour and a half until the rain started. And, you know, so, it, I mean, that was a rough night. But, I mean, after after taking some time and thinking about it, it's like, Three hoots, there were three guys. Two tree knocks, there were two guys, you know. And then the splashes in the water, they literally sounded like large rocks being thrown into the water. I'd say the, you know, what I find interesting about your story is the splashes, right? Because if you think of it, let's say it's a muskrat or a river otter or something like that, like they wouldn't want to be making that much, as I would think about, they wouldn't want to make that much noise because there's such larger predators, right? Like why would they draw that yeah. much attention? So it would seem to reason that if something was making that amount of noise, there wasn't a lot of fear in that noise. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very strange. It was a very strange night, you know? And I mean, I'm, I'm okay with going into a, a haunted location and doing a ghost investigation. And, you know, I'll, I'll go sit down in a creepy ass basement by in the dark with, you know, a couple of different ghost, uh, uh, equipment and you know, I mean, I'm fine. You know, <laughs> I've had I've had some bizarre experiences in my lifetime, and I'm fine. Um, I was genuinely too afraid to go to sleep, so I made myself stay up. <laughs> uh huh. That that story too is it's different than our story, but just with the river. So we have a my wife's grandma has a cottage on the Osable. You know, up in uh, mm -hmm. Grayling. Yeah. And not to get off our story, but just real quick. Uh, I wasn't there, but <clears throat> my wife and a couple of their buddies were up there sitting by a fire. And same thing. They heard the big old sploosh, sploosh, sploosh. And they were like, what the hell is that? And they're all sitting by the uh, fire and they, they all got scared. And they're like, that's a fucking bear. Let's run inside. And, you know, every time I've heard tell that story before, and I'm just like, that's the same story my wife had, you know? And, like, they all got nervous and said, let's get our asses inside. <laughs> yeah. You know, in that area of here on Manistee, you know, there's some some smaller bear in there. Um, you know, so, you know, was there a, was there a decent-sized bear sitting on the, on the uh, shore just slapping water? You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I suppose it's possible. But, you know, the entire three days that we were there, 
I never saw a bear and I not, I never saw any sign of bear, uh-huh. you know? So, I mean, you know, people can, people can look at you and say, you know, start throwing all these, well, it was probably this, or it was probably that, or it was probably this, or it was probably that. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, it could be, but there was no sign of any of that. Right. You know, yeah. so what else is, what, what's it going to be then? You know, and, and I guess they, they could say, you know, well, there was no sign of Bigfoot either. Um, that wasn't necessarily true. If, if you would happen to go back to the Instagram post of when I talked about that, um, that experience, there was a very large, significant um, tree structure that as we were coming around uh, one of the curves in the, in the river, it was, it was right off to my left-hand side. And man, I'm telling you, it was blatantly obvious that you had one tree standing straight up. You had tree on either side of it like this, another couple that were on like this. So it was like a starburst out of, out of dead tree logs. And I would, luckily I was able to get my uh, camera out and take a picture of it. And it's like that to me, that was significant, you know, uh-huh. because whatever moved those trees, those were big, you know, and it just did not look like anything that would have happened naturally. I suppose it could have, you know, you can't ever say never, but it was, it was bizarre. You know, the, the only thing actually notable, the Keith, it was the first afternoon towards the end at about like what, four o'clock where you split out of the tent to go like what, 30 yards behind me and just, you know, get a different perspective for the day. Uh And I did have an ex this is a it's a whitetail experience and I'm given the context because it, it provides like a visual and an auditory portion to what we're talking about where like I heard something coming in, you know, let's say forty yards or less. And it's and so as I'm sitting, that would be to what would be my left. And just to my left outside our tent was like a small rise, a little bit of a hill. And then I went back flat and it ended up being a buck. And in the most traditional buck story, like it ran 60 yards in front of me, stopped. And I could see his tail, his back, left leg, and then just antlers coming from around a tree. And then it ran off and I never saw it again. Like Keith didn't see it, like, but also he didn't hear it. So, yeah. (laughs) And why we're saying that, because I think that leads us into the second one was the mid-morning, and that was the scratching sound that we heard, right? That was, yeah, I think we heard the the tree knock, the second thing. Okay, it was the tree knock was next? So, yeah, to put that in context, too, it it was windier than hell out there, too. So, you know, we're sitting in this, and Timmy, a few years back, was out there with Dad when it was real windy and trees actually started falling down around them, you know, so they had to book ass and get out of there. And so now I'm like, shit, man, this is windy. We're sitting in this, you know, you can't really look up and uh, you know, you can tell the difference between, I mean, what we heard and trees, you know, rustling together. Obviously the trees are hitting each other. There's pine trees rustling and all all of a sudden to our right. Boom. (laughs) And I'm not saying we both like each other. And I go, 
fucking tree knock, bro. You know, because like I've been telling him all these things, and I'm just like, you got to be shitting me because it, it was something. Good. It was substantial because it it didn't just knock, but it, like knocked with such. It felt like it knocked with such force that it like resonated too. You know, like I would equate if you had a you know a baseball bat and you hit something solid, it just knocked so hard. And you know, when you're sitting out there hunting and you're with your brother, we're kind of just chit chatting, and he was talking about all stuff, and it was like that. That was exactly what you're talking about. That was yeah. a fucking knock, and it was it was substantial, right? It's in it. The story he's talking about about the trees is I was up a couple years ago with my dad and it was, you know, somewhat warmer weather and the ground was wet and the wind was really whipping. And we had a full size oak tree just like you heard the roots explode with a loud crack and that sucker fell and we just like blasted out of the tent. So you you know what a tree falling in the wood sounds like now. And then this was just totally different because it actually, like, if you were to describe it as you heard it, you heard knock. Like, just this thud of a knock that just resonated. And we were just like, that was serious. That didn't sound like any anything that we would say if you heard a limb break or a tree fall or anything. It sounded so much different like that. It just sounded like full force of a smack against another solid surface with a very solid object. See, and that's, that's the interesting thing about a tree knock when you hear a tree knock, because it literally sounds like if you had two old fashioned hardwood baseball bats Yes, that's, and just that's what gave I have it in my the brain. most, the most positive smack you could possibly do. I uh, defy you. I defy you to go out in the woods, find a limb, even a heavy limb that's on the ground and then smack a tree with it and get that same sound. Right, you get you a crack and do it. Get the knock, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you can't right. do it. And there's so many trees, you know, like trees have their bark, right? And a bat doesn't have any sort of like what I would call like a cushion on it, right? So it right. had to be two like very solid surfaces come together. And so, Keith, when we were sitting there, if we're facing out, that was off to, it would have been to our... My good ear, Right on our right-hand side. Uh-huh. I can't, you know, it's hard. It would be hard to explain how far away it was, but it was loud enough for us to say, like, that seemed close because it was so loud. It almost was like you felt it. Or at least, it, I mean, I know Key's hearing is not as, de- as good as mine, but, like, I think that tells you that even with half an ear, he heard this thing. Yeah, and that's the that's the really interesting thing about the sound of a tree knock, you know. And I, I've I've talked about this on other episodes, you know. And this kind of gets into the woo aspects of it that a lot of people don't like to talk about. But you know, it, the frequencies and vibrations are every everything on this earth. You, me, everything. The table I'm sitting in front of. There's all a vibration. There's all a frequency to everything. <clears throat> you know, and and. You know, if you go investigate a, a haunted house, a lot of times you're going to hear a knock on the wall. You think it's on the wall. But, you know, when Bigfoot is around, you hear tree knocks. Well, what if that's not necessarily them picking up a limb and smacking the tree with it? What if, what if that is part of 
part of them coming into our perception? What if that's a peripheral effect of when they come into our perception and we become aware of them? You know, I, I don't know. You know, I don't think Bigfoot are, are uh, golden retrievers for the aliens when they come. But, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people that report seeing lights in the, in the woods, you know, uh, orbs that are moving around when either prior or post having a Bigfoot experience. And it's like, you know, maybe the sound, because it's so odd that you can't just go grab something, you know, and I don't know that anybody has ever reported seeing a Bigfoot with a, a big ass limb or uh, something in their hand hitting a tree, making the sound, you know, yeah. it's always, you hear it, but it, you know, what is making that noise? And that really makes me wonder if, if everything, uh, ghosts and, and UFOs and, and Bigfoot and everything, you know, is it possible that these things are all coming from a different plane, uh, of existence that we aren't readily, uh, able to see, you know, um, I mean, that's, that's really getting in way far deeper than a couple of hunters need to with, with some weird experiences in the woods. But those are the, those. Are- I would also say what I, what I find notable, like if you take the baseball analogy, right? Like a baseball bat, if you were to hit it against something, you know, it makes that, that crack or that thud, but we didn't hear anything like break or snap or anything associated with it. it was just that solid connection. And so it's like, if you're saying Bigfoot was swinging a huge branch or something, there was no like smashing, no like squishing, no nothing. It just was that knock. So that you know, I can't dispute whatever you're talking about that other than we heard it so substantially. And both of us had the exact same experience with it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it, I mean, there, it's, it's just a very strange thing. You know, it's, they dumb it. I don't think they do it intentionally, but I, I, I feel that it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience that is significantly dumbed down by calling it a tree knock. I, I understand that that's what it sounds like but we don't have any kind of evidence to suggest that that's actually what's happening, that they're picking up a big ass log or, or tree limb and, you know, swinging it for the fences uh, against uh, another thing. Because, you know, if, if you were to take a large limb and swing it as hard as you could against a tree where it makes contact with the tree, any part of that limb that's hanging out past the tree is going to snap off because of the inertia of, of being stopped by the tree and it's just going to break off and it's going to snap. And like you said, you don't hear that part. No, it probably leaves a big ass tree too, though. How hard it sounds, you know, and many dents in the trees. I don't know. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's, it's, it's so it's notable, right? I mean, it fits the things Keith was describing, you know, and again, I was just kind of like, playful about it and then you hear stuff like that like you can't say it's not yeah that's how i felt about it well you know i mean you're in a forest you know and, and it's windy you hear trees rubbing together you hear that squeaky uh that squeaky sound that the 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 bark makes when it's rubbing against another tree you know 
there's all kinds of you know, the the leaves rustling. You can hear, you know, when the wind comes through, all of a sudden you hear the the extra noise of the leaves all moving around in the trees. There's all kinds of sounds out there, yeah. um, but there's but there's nothing that readily replicates that noise. Yeah, we didn't hear that. We only heard the noise one time, you know, and it was like the whole. I mean, it was windier and shit. And that one time we heard that. You know, out of the all that's the, exactly all what the, I was just gonna say. You you heard the ambience of the forest, right, Eric? All the things you're describing, and then yeah. we had that one notable experience, and that was it. Like you know, you could hear branches kind of crackling <clears throat> together and whatnot, but like that one stood out as just completely different than everything we were experiencing in the what two and a half days we were there. And it stood out far enough for like normal forest activity. And say tree knock you know after I, i've just been vibrant <laughs> about all the stuff we're gonna yeah. all the stuff we could hear and it's like if you had a checklist it's like all right there's one <laughs> here's another one <laughs> and timmy's like i can't fucking dispute that man like that was yeah. all the shit you're talking about you, you know we can talk about this after uh after we're recording but um that that checklist right that checklist that you're talking about, it's like you, you start marking things off. Um, I don't know if you've ever talked with Jake about his experience up in Petoskey. I've actually, I when just he heard up, his episode, you know, when I listened to it, your show, but a little bit. So, you know, when he called me and tells me, um, I'm all right, but, or he, he texted me, he's like, I'm okay, but a tree just got pushed over beside me. Uh-huh. And I was like, what? And he sends me a picture of this tree, you know? And I mean, it was a, it was a pretty sizable tree, you know? And root ball and everything out of the ground and, and laying across the, the path. And then, you know, he's he tells me they, they move on, you know, whatever the another 100 yards to do the next uh, boring. And uh, somebody, one of the drillers turns around and says, hey, is, is that somebody's phone going off? Like, is that Siri talking or whatever? And Jake says, you know, I'm, I'm hearing it and it sounds like either a woman or a kid's muffled voice in the, in the woods, you know, which is something you hear in, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard hearing a female, like a female muffled female voice or a little kid's voice in the woods. And all three of them heard it. And then when they moved back to the last, the last boring site, um, you know, they turn back around because there's all this, uh, uh, the underbrush and everything is being shook really violently, but way back where, like where the tree fell, was pushed over, Yeah. you know? So, and he's telling me this and I'm like, dude, you know, I know you would not pull my leg about this stuff because I take it so seriously, but you realize you're, che- you're putting check marks in boxes that are, is like, it's textbook. And he's yeah. like, I, I, I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's tell crazy. Him, uh, tell them about that next one, Keith, because I mean, this one, I mean, well, it feels add- like our progression gets even more like, holy shit, you know, <laughs> it definitely ramped up. But one we didn't even add, though, is like right in front of us, which, you know, we due to the wind, but we had a tree fall down. We didn't see it, but off in front of us to the right, you know, all of a sudden you hear the crack and the, you know, and you hear the tree fall. And it's like, then I started worrying like, Shit, Timmy, we're gonna have to run out of the woods like you and Dad did. 
but we never equated that to anything weird. It was just, okay, that was the win, you know, but now thinking about, but yeah, that's usually you've been out in the woods for a lot of your lives. How many mm-hmm. times have you heard a tree fall? Well, I can tell you one time I saw one that was probably like, you know, this big around 80 feet tall fall right in front of me. And I about shit my pants and basically <laughs> picked up my dad and ran out of there because I mean, you know, something like that, there's no overcoming what that, when it comes at you. Right. Like we no. saw that and you know, I, I, I honestly, Keith, I forgot about that, but we did hear one fall, but I mean, like for me seeing one fall, it's like, okay, I can equate that to like a, a natural happenstance. Right. Okay. Um, but that yeah, you know, I, I had one fall in my backyard. It was, you know, three foot around. I, I was driving down 28th Street and it said wind advisory. I came home, looked out the back deck, and I watched this thing absolutely just, you know, it's a 100 foot tall tree just crush my back fence. And I was like, son of a bitch, I need to call insurance. <laughs> but I, feel like, yeah. I think that's the only tree I've ever heard fall besides this one when we're in the woods. Like you're saying, like, it's not very often you're out in the woods, you know. Right. Besides, and hopefully Ma doesn't listen to it because I don't think Timmy's ever told Ma that he had to carry Dad out of the woods. No, and I didn't tell Nora either. So <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this either because I told Keith, I was like, I wouldn't tell her that. That was too close. Yeah, but the next one, I mean, the next one progressively, like, uh, we're just sitting there, you know, you're, we both have our rifles on us. So it's like, you, you, know, you don't feel scared or anything. It's whatever. And all of a sudden, off to my left, you know, about at a 45, you hear, and I was like, something's coming down the tree. And whatever that is coming down the tree sounded fucking heavy, you know? And it's like, I don't know what has those claws, but I mean, it was just four. I think it was four. It could have been three, but just, you know, you can tell when something's got its claws in the bark. And I don't know how we could, how I could tell, but I could feel like it was coming, you know, it was started up top and it was coming down. And I literally, I stuck my head out of the tent and I was like, I don't see anything. But I mean, the sound of it was more, less than 30 yards away. Yeah. I mean, I have a similar, like the, I hear it right in, in my visual is something is gripping the tree and it like either trying to get traction to start moving up or like sliding down because it was definitely scraping and there's yeah. a lot of pine trees around there you know like if you is a you could like pick the pine tree bark off and it'll kind of like make a chipping sound yeah and like something substantial was like either getting traction going up or sliding down but you know keith was going like is there a bear around here? Because it felt so substantial, not like a kitty cat or a squirrel, yeah. like, like kind of like, it was, it wasn't a raccoon. It wasn't a porcupine. It was, I mean, it was like, that thing had some weight to it. And I was like, you know, at the same time where, you know, it's like, it gets your heart pumping. Cause you, when you hear things in the woods and we're like, all right, you know, but it, it was like, that's not a small animal. And I'm like, and then I start questioning, like, do we fucking shoot a bear if it comes at us? Like, what are, what are the rules here, you know? But, right, and when you're whitetail hunting, you're, like, tuning into whitetail activity. This thing was beyond 
whitetail activity. I mean, it 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 had to be claws because we don't know what else would be making that sound out there. Right. And it also sounded substantial, either moving up or down. I mean, to me, it sounded like something was sliding down, but it was unmistakable at that scratching sound in Keats, right? It didn't sound like it was far away, but, you know, part of where we are, we're right by Glen Lake, so most of the terrain, like, flows down to the lake, and I don't know... If did Keith, did you tell him like we're up near Inspiration Point, which is you know quite a high point right above Glen Lake? So you got Big Glen and Little Glen. So we're at one of the we're near the middle of the terrain down from uh, Inspiration Point. So we're we're up quite a ways, but the terrain. I mean, if you were to drive from the bottom of where we are to the top, it's a substantial climb, and there's just like straight hills going up and um you know where was i, I forget where i was going with all that but um yeah the thing the, was up above us for it, sure oh i know where i was going with that is the terrain around us like undulates so you can't quite see over that little mountain like for instance when i was telling that story about the buck running around me i could hear it but right. it was like you know 20 20 that 30 yards over there around this little bump and I saw, you know, it came around it. So like there, there was some undulating terrain and where we are, like we're in a, like a flat opening with some trees in the center, like barely any trees. And the reason we picked it, it's because it's, it's opening. There's forest all around us, hardwoods and, and softwoods. And then there's a bunch of shooting lanes and we can see quite a ways away, but whatever this was, we could not see it, even though it wasn't that far away. Well, it's it's interesting that you bring up the 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 scratching sound on the on the bark, <clears throat> because uh, some friends of mine um, that used to and hopefully still will put on the uh, the West Branch um, Bigfoot Conference um, this past uh, not this not this year but the year previous. Um, I went up there and I hosted the town hall up there for them. And afterwards they, they were doing a, a camp out and they were going to go do an expedition and Jake and I needed to get back to Grand Rapids. But, um, you know, I got some pictures sent my way and they were in a, in a laneway, um, you know, where the electrical lines, uh, mm-hmm. the fire lane where the electrical lines go down and there were, um, telephone poles and, they were taking these pictures and they were like eight and nine feet up off the ground. And you can, you can tell the difference between um, a, a pole climber using spikes and, yeah. and how that goes into a pole and then leaves the little spurts sticking out. These were like legitimate claw marks, just digging out some of the wood out of these telephone poles. And they were, you know, seven, eight, nine foot high on the pole. And, you know, so what's, what's out there, what, what's alignment out there doing that's going to gouge a pole that, you know, literally looked like it had three or four nail marks just drawn across it, you know? So what you're talking about and, you know, that, that's the first thing that popped into my mind when I was reading the, uh, reading the email was, yeah, you know, I mean, 
I've heard about this. I never realized that they were walking by and, and, you know, whether that's a, their way of marking something or it's a, you know, a directional sign or, or maybe a, Hey, get the hell out of here. This is my area, you know, to a, to a rogue one or whatever. I don't know. Um, but it sounds very similar. I we just, definitely, I, we definitely were on alert after that. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Cause I, I agreed with Keith. I'm like, it sounded so substantial. I, I could see this being a bear and you know, he's like, do we shoot it? And I'm like, I, I mean, if we gotta, <laughs> I don't know what the rules are, but uh, I certainly aren't going to let this thing get I, unfriendly. I, I, I'd, I'd rather pay a fine or have to explain myself than, uh, yeah, but it was weird. Cause I mean, it didn't sound like it was far away. It just happened. I literally poked my head out of the blind, looked in that direction. And I was like, I don't see anything, you know, and it didn't make a noise after that, but it was just, man, that was, it was something, you know, and it was, it was loud and it was heavy. Yeah. And if, you know, like part of my brain goes to whatever it was, you know, like for instance, let's say it was a bobcat sliding down a tree or something like that. If it was chasing prey, we didn't hear it. Like anything jump down and take off. It was the scratching and then just regular forest noise, no like, no sounds of a chase, no calls, no nothing, just the scraping. And then it was regular. It's like, man, that was bizarre. Uh-huh. I gotta you, ask. You figure something that you hear so, you perceive it to be so close, you think you'd see something happen, and we just yeah. we were just waiting for that for a while. I got to ask, I, I assume you haven't said anything about it, so I assume the answer is going to be no, but um, did you at any point try to find that tree to see if you could have seen claw marks or, or of something coming down that tree or not? No. No, there's so many trees out there, we wouldn't have known which one it was or, yeah, yeah I mean, it would have been probably a good idea to go check, but no. Next, next time. Right. It also feels like it also feels like the next one that was like the most holy moly of them all didn't happen too long after it, so it kind of changed our perspective. So if you want to cover that one too, because this this one has a scratch in our heads for sure. Yeah, this one made me shit my pants damn near. So we're so that's like, I mean, probably fifteen minutes after that, we're uh, you know you're just coming down. Every time you hear a noise out there, it's like it's something. So it's like. You, you you know your blood pressure goes up and it starts to come back down and and so at this point we figured you know I can't hear anything out of my right ear so we I sit on the left so I'm on the left side this time and uh, we hear that you know I pop my head out of the left side of the blind come back and man all of a sudden <laughs> out of nowhere you know you so like I said we're in the spine you push these things out they're you know they're spring activated kind of something smacks the side of the tent and the whole spring mechanism shoots in towards me. And I'm just like, Oh no kid. I look at Timmy and I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, you shit your pants. Cause all of a sudden the whole side of the tent is, you know, it springs back the other way. And I was like, I said, what I tell you about them throwing rocks or sticks. And <laughs> I, again, I stuck my head out of the tent and I looked on the ground. I was, I was expecting to see, a, you know, like here is a baseball. So I didn't see anything on the ground. But I mean, we sat out there for that three days or something, you know, two and a half days, and you know, the tent could have given away at any point. 
and right after that claw, not 15 minutes later, the whole left side of the tent caves in. And it and it, yeah, it wasn't was... caved in like something hit it. You know, you felt uh, something hit the tent, so it sounded like you know, and boom, all of a sudden that thing was pushed in on me. Yeah, the tent like shook and hopped. And we both jumped, and like we're looking at it. And, you know, just like Keith described, you're like, somebody threw something at the tent. Because it, you know, it did come in and we're looking at it, like looking outside because, you know, part of what Keith has been described is the throw a rock. Like, so we're out there looking for like a softball size rock because it, it rocked the whole tent. And, you know, I don't know what you look for if, if like it, what would have done it, but, you know the way we perceived it, like we didn't see anything that was out of the ordinary, like a, a stick that seemed out of place, like it smacked it, but son of a bitch, that whole tent, man, it scared the shit out of us. I bet. That was probably about like four thirty. That's what I was going to say. Yep. So you guys, you had, you had a number of things in, in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. yeah. All in that, all in that one day. I mean, that first day, we, I don't think we had anything notable and everything we've discussed that, you know, would check that list all happened in that one day from, from what seven, you know, we were out there probably seven ish, seven Oh five when yeah. you're sitting down and then, you know, part of the stuff in the morning and then the, the scratching in the, in the, uh, the tent was probably within less than an hour of it. Those two happens in the, in the mid afternoon. The tent one was hard to describe because it didn't seem like the it, it didn't seem like the tent mechanically failed. Right, because I, I was so able to push it back. Out, like, you know, holy shit. everything worked back the way it was supposed to. But like, I mean, those things are kind of hard to push out and get stuck. And it's you know when you're trying to break it down, it's hard to push that in a little bit. You know, that's crazy. I'd have uh, I'd dropped crazy. a load. I'd have dropped a load too. Oh, it happened right <laughs> my, you know, like it literally happened, you know, six inches from me because we're pushed up against the side, and I'm just like, "What the fuck just happened?" Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure now that I'm kind of reliving it, I was like, "What the hell was that?" And like, you know, we got we got guns in our like you're holding your gun in your hand, and we're like, "What is messing with us?" Because you know, my logical brain went right to like, "How did the tent just fail?" when it the whole structure is predicated upon tension like right. how did it just all of a sudden spring in if it didn't break right that was bizarre right. that's crazy uh-huh yeah and, and the only thing we can say is it whatever hit the tent wasn't a rock because we couldn't find a rock but that doesn't mean it wasn't a, a a limb or whatever the hell i mean it just we didn't find a rock were there were there sizable limbs uh laying around i mean i would assume uh, you're on the floor of a uh, a wooded area that yeah not too far from us there's branches down you know is there anything are... you looked at that you were that you were like oh well, all right it must have been that no i when i stuck my head on i was like i didn't see anything that was just like hey there's like a piece that got thrown at it it was just everything looked like it was should have been there i don't know if this will make sense but it it's kind of the way my brain works it's like it wasn't so big that it would have destroyed the tent. So you're not looking for like a full on like oak log, right? You know, like you'd put in your fireplace, but it was big enough to 
to push the tension in without destroying it or tearing the fabric. And so when you're looking out there, you're like, have a visual of what size it should be. And, and right. you know, like, like you're saying, there's all kinds of, you know, tree detritus on the ground, like, you know, old, old branches from pine trees and stuff like, like that stuff's on the ground. So, but we didn't see anything like lying on the ground, moving like it had, had been jostled. It just was like, we don't know exactly what the ground looked like. So we can't say that, you know, this, this branch over here wasn't part of what hit the tent. Right. It was just so jarring that it happened. And it was with all the other stuff. And then the conversations about, you know, Keith was saying, like, this is kind of what could happen out here. I'm like, we just fucking experienced it. (laughs) That one was bizarre. I mean, the scratching one, you don't know, but like this one happened to something that was ours in the tent. And I don't believe it was a mechanical failure. Yeah. To some extent, you guys had some control over that experience because it was, it was surrounding you. You were, you were within its confines and there was no apparent reason for it to fail in any way other than if something had pushed against the outside of it and, and made it pop in. Right. And and pushed hard. And and like, I mean, it didn't make a noise before it. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm uh, really struggling here. I'm going to give way. It was just all of a sudden, very sudden, the side is just collapsing on me. (laughs) There was no snow. So there wasn't like tension on the roof to add pressure to the sides. I mean, it was cold, but no snow, no precipitation. And just out of nowhere, the whole tent just, bam, we jumped. Like, what the hell is that? And, you know, we, we tried to look, but, you know, in the in the span of time of when it happened to when our shock wore off, you know, I don't know if it was two seconds or a minute and a half to look out there and be like, what the fuck was that? Like, what yeah. caused this? So, but it was definitely bizarre. Was was that the extent of the uh, the experiences then? Yeah, because we 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 finished out the night there with nothing else. We came back out the next morning, and then um, somebody had gone into my dad's blind and taken his his chair. Because you could you could see his blind if you just right if you were driving around you could see his blind so somebody went in and took his chair oh, and geez. you know he I don't know what you know about him but um it was a chair to make him comfortable while I was out there and then we just ended up saying like all right let's just call it if you can't be comfortable so yeah. we didn't spend any more time in there but yeah the the tent one that was hard to explain the only other thing I'd say is man the year before. Uh, Timmy and I watched this, uh, butt or spike horn come down from up top, you know, and when we walked up there, there were so many goddamn trees down, you know, I was just thinking about that when he said all the trees down, like we couldn't even walk through there. We're like, how the hell did that deer come from up there? Remember that? There was just, I don't know, 75 trees down up in that top spot. Yeah. Cause the, the year before was that, you know, the, Eric, the experience I told you about when it was kind of wet and windy up there when the one yeah. fell. So there were a lot of trees that fell, but like even what Keith's describing about that button buck, that terrain up there was so hilly and so, I, I mean, like, I don't know how the deer walked through that. I mean, 
it was substantial just for us to hike our fat asses all the way up to that, let alone like, go, like, where'd he come from? Because he had to go down another big gully and up another huge hill. And so a lot of, lot of undulating terrain up there. So you guys going into this, um, you know, Keith, obviously you've listened to the show. I don't know what, um, I don't know what about your personality made you decide to start listening to that. Was it, do you have a, do you have an interest in Bigfoot or paranormal or anything like that? Or did you just think it was cool? You work with a guy whose dad has a podcast. I'm going to check it out and decided, do you like it? Exactly. Yeah. I was just like, how sweet is that? Your dad has a podcast. I'm going to check this out. And then I, I really got sucked in, you know, and it was, I'm more sucked in, I think on the Bigfoot than the paranormal stuff, but you know, it's all pretty good, but it was just, I mean, Timmy and dad and, Honestly, God, all my friends, I just tell them, like, they're, I got a bunch of dads that are or friends of dads or hunters. And I'm like, hey, you ever seen uh, Squatch? Here's what you're looking for. Have you heard this? Like, they got to be like, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm pretty far out there just in general. So I don't think they're, you know, they don't really just shut me down. It's just like, hey, here's Keith talking some shit again. But like, you know, I, I was like, hey, honestly, have you ever seen a Sasquatch? And, you know, this guy is like, no, I never have, you know. And, you know, they don't dismiss me, I don't think. But, Man, every. Guess, yeah, go ahead. I guess the point that I'm getting at is, you know, between the two of you, uh, with each with your own personalities, you were not going out there with the intent of, oh, I hope we have a Bigfoot experience. You know, you weren't you weren't looking for that. You weren't anticipating that, and you were going off of years of hunting experience with each other. Um, you know that goes back a long way and you've never noticed or experienced anything like it. Now, now that you have, and you know, there's surely there is some relatively good explanation for any of the things. Exactly. Yep. It was, it was a crow with half a beak. Yep. It, you know, it, it couldn't make, it couldn't make the sounds right. Or it was, you know, a different type of bird that you weren't aware of. Um, you know, maybe the tent was just pushed out just enough where it stayed stable for hours and hours and hours, but it was just on the verge of popping back in and maybe it did it on itself. You know, maybe it was just, it was like, nope, I'm done. Fuck it. Boop. And he popped in. Um, you know, maybe it was, a maybe it was a, a big cat coming down the tree, you know, it, you know, maybe, uh-huh. but when you, when you put all those things together and it all happens within a short span of time, you know, then, then you're experiencing a number of different things in a short period of time that all tend to line up with things that other people have reported, you know, and, and those for me, if you ignore that, then I think you're doing a disservice to yourself putting yourself in a position going out into the wilderness where there's wild animals and potentially these, these things that, you know, for all we know are wild and live by a completely different moral code than we do. And they're, uh, you know, the native Americans have, have said in their oral tradition that, you know, they were known as cannibals, you know? So if they were, 
you know, the, um, if they were taking, you know, the one, uh, Thomas Seawood I had on a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, their, their oral traditions when they were kids, they were told that the, the old lady of the woods would, would get you if you're behaving. And, you know, it was a female Sasquatch that would carry a basket on its back and grab little kids, throw it in there and then take it and, you know, cook them up and eat them. <laughs> so, you know, uh, terrible. <laughs> you know, um, you know, where did those stories come from? They had to come from something. Uh -huh. So, you know, like where your head's at now with what you experienced on that day going into next hunting season. Yeah, I think it's funny because I, you know, I went into it obviously joking around with Sasquatch, like, hey, we're going to be out in the woods, you know, and here's the things to look out for. And after it all said and done, like you said, everything can be explained away, I feel like. It's like, hey, here's a tree knock. Was it a tree hit another tree because of the wind? Was that really a, a cougar? You know, did the tent just fail? And, you know, that maybe... I don't know, but like everything I think can be explained away, but at the same time, it's like, well, we didn't see a bear, you know, we know what a tree sounds like when it actually falls. We know what a tree sounds like. I mean, we've all hit branches on trees trying to crack them and break them and this and that. And like you said, it, it with an open mind, I think it's like, dude, we checked four good, pretty good boxes, I'd say. Yeah. You know, uh, my, my dog groomer, Joanna, her and her husband and their kids, they vacation up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And, uh, they were, uh, I want to say they were around pictured rocks. I may be wrong if I am, forgive me. Um, but they went up to, they went up to this lookout point and, you know, there was a, a group of people with them and they were all standing up there looking out over the lake and, um, her husband, heard tree knocks in in the woods behind them and to the point where he walked away from the rest of the group and was standing like at the edge of the tree line looking back into the woods because he was fully convinced that there was some kind of a construction crew back there that was building something because he kept hearing the the knocks but he said it wasn't like just hammering you know repeatedly you would just hear these loud wood knocks and you know they never saw anything um they did have an experience though that when they were on the trail um they they heard and, and it took her a long time and she she ended up messaging me and she's like oh my god i it it's she heard something i think it was on sasquatch chronicles where somebody described the the growl the uh the guttural growl sound that uh, they experienced as being like that of a um an alligator it had that much resonance to it you know like a big deep cavity that all that sound was uh, resonating in uh -huh. and you know it, there's no alligators <laughs> or gators in uh in northern michigan you know so um you know what was that they were on a trail they they would have easily been able to see a bear had it been in the area they didn't see anything but it it scared them enough that they did an about face on the trail and uh i believe the husband even pulled out the only thing he had which was a pocket knife and she was leading the kids back down the trail and he was at the back of them and you know had his pocket knife pulled because they were they were that frightened by the sound that they heard you know what does what does that to people you know <laughs> you're walking through the you're walking through a hiking trail in in northern michigan 
you know, what, what, what could there be? You bear. Yeah. But typically bear are big enough. You're going to see them, you know, what, what was going on? What was making that noise out in the woods? I'll say, you know, with the, with the four distinct experiences, we have the, like the, the first one, the, the bird, right? There's, we're not bird experts. There could clearly be a bird making that noise that we just simply didn't know. Like, you know, you know what a blue jay sounds like and what a chickadee sounds like and what a crow sounds like. This sounded different. It doesn't mean that there couldn't have been a different bird, but the, you know, the knock, Absolutely. the scraping in the tent thing, like those are harder to explain away. One, cause you can't see them, but like we can, we sit here and tell you how we felt about them. And it's notable that they were just like, our brain goes, that's different. And I think that says something. I think you're right. And I think those are the things. That's why I like talking to people with experiences like what you guys had, because I think those are important things to take note of. Because if you pay attention to those things, you may save yourself the potential for something more drastic. You know, if your if your gut tells you to get out there, you know, like with you and your dad when the tree fell, your your oh, gut man. told you get out, grab <laughs> yeah. them and go. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, there's some people in this world that don't listen to that gut instinct. That was, ah, we're, we're, we're going to be fine. You know, we were in full on flight mode. Like we blasted it. We left all of our, we just basically had our guns and we ran. All of our shit was in the tent. Cause I mean, the sound of those roots giving way was just this, it was just crack. And then I saw it start to go and I just grabbed him and I was like, go like full on flight mode we get the hell out of there and you know the other thing like keith and i always haven't hunted together keith hasn't always been up with there so i've sat out in that woods all by myself so many times and there's an awareness now that we'll have right Uh, one keith like you said he was kind of joking about it and it was very joking but these things all describe a narrative that you have and we can't explain them away I, I think the bird one is probably the most easiest to but we we definitely had them and they definitely felt weird there's no doubt about it but and like you said we didn't, we didn't go out there you know like hey instead of deer hunting <laughs> we're squatching you know it just it was certainly was, hey i'm listening to this podcast you know and people you know episodes two and three man they it's just like that resonated with me and i'm like it it could happen to us we obviously didn't see anything walking in front of us or anything i didn't think i i didn't see, i didn't even see one deer but you know, we had <laughs> well, those- and i think it's interesting it's interesting that you contacted my son and then he looked up whether or not there was any uh I was say that, yeah. or activity around there and so, sure enough so there People are reporting activity up there. Then I guess I didn't even ask Keith that. Yeah, yeah I sent Jake that that night, and he he went on his uh, I forget what it is, but the Bigfoot tracker Big, app or Bigfoot, Bigfoot mapping project. Yeah. yeah. What did so? What have I guess my curiosity is peaking. What have they said about other experiences up there? Are there anything similar to what we heard? Well, it's it, to be honest, what it is, it's 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 a it's kind of a data collection. All right. So um, there's there's a couple of different 
individuals. Uh, some one on Facebook has a very large group that he takes um, Michigan experiences and then posts them on his site. But there's um, the BFRO, the Bigfoot Research Organization, which you can contact. You can fill out a the uh, questionnaire as far as you know what happened, where it was, what time of day, what the weather conditions were like, um, what the lighting was like. You know, whether or not it was an auditory, whether or not it was a visual sighting, whether it was you heard a tree knock or whether you heard a howl or a whoop or, you know, it was very specific things. And and much like that or that uh, data collection, the Bigfoot Mapping Project also does that. But they um, the guy, Scott Tompkins, who runs it, uh, you can get the app for your phone. It's uh, it's a dollar ninety nine, I believe. Um and, and then when you have the app, you can also access it on your, your computer. And the app is a handy little thing to have in your pocket because you can look something up really quick and say, oh, shit, yeah, there were some, there were some sightings in that area. And basically what it'll do, it'll give you a little uh, like a yellow or a green or a red uh, Bigfoot silhouette, or it'll have a footprint. And, you know, those are per- probably indications of, uh, when you when you click on that, it will tell you a very brief summary of what that sighting was. But if you click on that, it will take you to the actual report that was was given to the BFRO or to Scott, and it will tell you, you know, again, weather conditions, time of day, what time of year, what month, what day, um, you know, what. It, it, it basically, it it it's all the general data that you would need to take a report like a police report um so i highly suggest if you guys have any interest in in looking into this stuff um that app bigfoot tracking uh bigfoot mapping project um best dollar 99 you're going to spend especially on you know being able to use it on your desktop or your laptop uh there's a number of features and basically there i forget what the uh, gs gsps is what he does it for a living. He, he collects this data and um, there's different filters that you can toggle on and off of, of the maps. And when we did, if you go back maybe six months, I did a, a second episode with him. Um, I would suggest watching it on YouTube because he actually had, was pulling up um, his mapping project on the, on the screen and he was toggling different um different filters on and off so you could see and and basically what i asked him to do on he was not prepared for this but i asked him to uh do this on the uh, um the area where the sister lakes uh dewey lake monster happened and so he's got information from the different dnrs throughout the u.s of the most heavily traveled corridors for animals and basically what it'll do it'll draw this brown little squiggly line over the maps and it will show these corridors that you know whether they're tagged animals or whether they're you know i'm not sure the the process of the collection of the data but once he had all these pictures drawn around and he had several of them around dewey lake and in the in the dwajak area the sister lakes area um, then I asked him to turn on the filter showing the reports and the three or four reports from the 1964 sighting of the Dewey Lake monster, all of them 
all three or four of them ended up landing right on those corridors that his his data points at all suggested where large larger animals would be traveling and i find i found that very fascinating that you know he had no idea so it wasn't like he could prepare it it wasn't like he he knew that you know he was going to be able to show this and this and in real time during the video you you heard in, the excitement in his voice that you know it's like holy crap this, this it's legitimately showing so i would suggest um you know is as a as a really easy to use pocket pal as far as bigfoot experiences if you're if you're going you know some my friends who go camping and stuff they've got them and you know if they're going to pick a camping site they go to it and they look and see if there's been any sightings you know i mean why not you right. know whether it's you you want to experience or whether you want to avoid experiencing it um it's a handy it's a handy feature so um yeah so you know you can just click on each one of the sightings and it'll give you uh, a real tiny little blurb about it and then if you click on that it'll take you to the actual report and you can read the whole thing yeah so Keith said something earlier today in a message to me that not only did you guys have these experiences, but you had something happen uh, back when you guys were in high school that uh, was a little bit more on the, the spooky side of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one was, uh, that one was interesting. I, um, we, so I only have I have a little bit more time, but we can we can walk through this. And it was one of those experiences. It's like you know when you have an experience and it it slows down and you can still see it. So we were we were in a friend's minivan, and we may or may not have been sledding behind the minivan, you know, in some country roads. Like may or may not have been. <laughs> we may or may not have encountered a sheriff and decided we were going to go a different direction. And so we were kind of like possibly getting away from this sheriff. And <laughs> we, it was winter and there's several of us in this van and we were, we were basically slowing down to figure out like what we're going to do next. And there's houses and woods to our left. I can't tell you the direction we were heading, but then there's a there's a body of water to our right. And as we're slowing down, like a, a six foot cloud like walks it's like, across it's the like street. A, you know, like the, the wind picked up. It looked like it was taking strides and you know the the hair around your neck, like everybody in the car is just, you know, having, having that experience. Yeah. And we just like yeah. walked it, it and it's, you know, it's probably six thirty seven o'clock in Michigan. So it's, it's dark out and in the headlights sure. and you just saw this thing walk across the road. And it, you literally saw like legs taking a stride. You know, it, it's, it, it was transparent. Like if the wind were blowing it, there was no swirling. There was no like real snow happening, but you saw like this form moving is the best way I can explain it. But it was like, I don't want to say it was like human, 
but it looked like it was walking. Like it was just like if your mailbox was on the other side of the road and there were no cars, you're just walking over to grab it. Like that's how the whole thing went. And it was just like the hair on your neck. It felt electrical and it was just, everybody was like dead ass silent. Yeah. The whole, the whole car, just, <laughs> so the whole car like, just stopped and we're just like, it happened, you know, it happened probably three seconds. <laughs> and we're all just like, did everybody just fucking see that? And we're like, uh, I believe we all just fucking saw that. We yeah, and so you know the the wild thing is like to see it visually, but like the collective experiences, everybody had that like electrical like holy shit, silent yeah. neck hair just on end, and then everybody was kind of silent, and I don't know who broke it, but like you just saw that right? And we we're like, I don't know what I saw. But this is what I think I saw, and it was Let's like, what? Yeah, we went home. But like, as far as ghost stories, that is the most real thing or closest thing to a ghost story I would ever say. Because I am not—I don't think I can be convinced that what we saw wasn't walking across the road. Yeah. Wow, crazy. that's crazy. It was crazy. So we were. What do you think, Keith? We were maybe like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, maybe. Yeah, I was probably fourteen, fifteen years old for sure. Yeah, it was wild. You know, and the the great thing about that is uh, it's a cool story. Uh, but the great thing is that it w- it was a collective experience for sure. So uh, one, you two, know, the, there's probably there's probably five of us in there, maybe six. I say, I bet you, if you called up Trevor right now, who's driving the car, we haven't talked about this in twenty three years. He'd be like. Oh yeah, <laughs> then walk that dude walking across the road would like we all were just like, "Fucking a man, that was something." Yeah, it was. Well, I got to thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys putting this together. I know Tim, you got to get rolling. Um, Keith, uh, I don't know if you noticed back here, but the uh, the new addition to the yeah. new addition to my uh, my studio shelf back there. Thanks to Keith, he. Uh, heard me talk about my love for the x-files the old tv show from the 90s and uh, the next thing i know uh, my son's bringing me a gift from uh from key so i appreciate that i appreciate i got a shirt and stickers and a little i should have worn my little squatch uh pin oh the pin yeah yeah, appreciate it hey no problem appreciate you listening and it's fun to it's fun to tell the story, right, from our perspective, and I hope people enjoy that. But it's also, you know, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about yours because it 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 like makes our experience more real and closer to what you're all about with this show. Yeah, because you know, like you mentioned something a few minutes back about like you didn't have a agenda for this type of uh, topic. Right. When we went out there and then we experienced all these things. So we will be listening next time for those, right? If you have them or if you don't, but um, we'll I'll definitely be listening for those things next time. Cause we'll do it again. Right. We enjoy this activity, but to have all those things happen, you know, all within, you know, hours of each other that, you know, there's, 
there isn't a definitive explanation for him was wild for us. I yeah. Think. One thing can be a coincidence, but when you're talking uh, several things in a, in a short span of time, the, I think there's, I think there's most likely something more than just coincidence at play there. In yep. it, in it, you know, if people listen to this, they'll, they'll probably note like the, the progression was just more. It just, it went from, like not localized to more local to like the proximity got there. And then it was like right there on right us. beside you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it ramped up. Yep, so it, it just it kept and, and I hadn't thought about this till right now, but it was like, you know, you're, you're on the, the 25, the 15, the five, and then the end zone. Like that was our progression. Like it finally got to us. Well, it you know, and been, I think I mean, it couldn't have been even more personal. Like it didn't, if we didn't have the tent, whatever may have hit it would have hit Keith, right? I mean, it it just was a weird progression. I, I didn't even think about that till right now. Or if if you guys were not in a shelter, you know, maybe it would have taken on a different form. Maybe it would have been, you know, a rock thrown and, you know, you hear a, a loud, you know, softball-sized rock hit, you know, a couple of feet away from you, you know, uh -huh. something like that. I mean, yeah. I think these things, I don't think their intention is to want to really get in and and mess you up. But I do think their intention is 100% of the time, scare them, give them a reason to want to leave the area. You know, we because I think... certainly didn't stick around a lot longer, <laughs> that was for sure. You know, you think about what were you doing out there? You were out there with the intention of harvesting food, Right. Yeah. So if they're living in that same area, you've walked into their living room, you've walked into their kitchen, you've walked into their home, right? Uh -huh. You know, that's like a lot of people say, um, why are they so hard to get trail cam pictures of? Why, you know, well, if, if somebody were to walk into your home, either one of you, and if I came into your home and you didn't know it, and I had this tiny little picture that was just, you know, one by two inches and I put a tiny nail in your wall somewhere and I hung that little picture up. How long do you think it would take before you walk through that house and you found that picture? I bet yeah. you'd find it pretty goddamn quick. So if you go in and you put up a man-made piece of plastic that has moving parts in it, smells like different acetones and stuff like that. That's the components of making the plastic housing of a, of a trail cam camera. You've got infrared lights, which a lot of people suspect that these things have the capacity to be able to see infrared light in their spectrum of viewing. We can't see it, but that's not to say they can't, right? There's okay. other animals that see in the infrared spectrum. You know, it's, it's completely natural to our world. There are animals that can see in the infrared spectrum. You know, how many times have you seen a trail cam where a deer is looking straight at the camera as it takes a picture of it right you know something yeah. is tipping that animal off that that is there you know so if they're smart enough and a lot of people think that they are they stay away from it yeah as you said not, earlier everything has got a frequency that resonates right maybe mm -hmm. they can tune into that yeah so uh well, i can say anyway. I, I i enjoyed my i wasn't sure what my experience would be like, but I really enjoyed being able to share our story and, you know, especially that 
whatever that paranormal experience we had, like, that was very real and, like, to tell you, you kind of, like, feel it again, which yeah. I have, I, shit, I don't even think we talked about that, like you said, if we were to call Trevor, but I don't think we've even talked about that for, you know, a couple decades. Right. But I can still feel it. I can see it. It's, yeah. it's crazy oh, how stuff like that stays with you. You know, and that's like throughout any of the experiences that I've had through my life, I can close my eyes and I can relive it as it was happening. You know, it, it's that impactful. It, it hits you and, and it it sears itself into your into your brain. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it may have been what, Keith, maybe like a six second interaction in our life, something like right. that. Yeah, I was gonna say three. You, you know, just, it's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and to oh, me man. that, and to me that is a testament to the event that happened. You know, you you don't take six guys who are driving around, screwing off, having fun, sketching behind a a van down dirt back roads. Allegedly, allegedly, alleged, allegedly, um, <laughs> possibly even running from law enforcement. No, um, no, no way. <laughs> but you know, to have something that short of a duration stay with you and and have the impact that it did that you remember it like it was yesterday, uh-huh. and you still you still feel you still feel it resonate when you think back to it. I think those are the things that people need to pay more attention to with the experiences they have in their life. You know, they talk about Occam's razor and, you know, the the most likely explanation is the easiest one to come to, right? So if you're having a ghost experience, they go to, you know, oh, you know, it was lighting or it was smoke and mirrors or it was this or it was that or it was this. To me, Occam's razor would say if you had a ghost experience, then the most logical explanation for it is that you had a ghost experience and don't, we don't try to explain it away it was 100 percent a ghost experience you know we all thought it was like god damn that was a, a ghost walking in front of the van you know 10 foot in front of the van right across the street but yeah crazy great story hey guys thank you so much i really appreciate it it's been a blast talking to you again thank you for the addition to the studio uh tim it was a pleasure meeting you and nice you, uh, you guys keep me up to date if you ever run into any more out there in the uh, in the woods. Yep. Thanks, Eric. We'll let you know. We'll definitely have an ear out for it. I know that. And, I mean, I assume we'll sit together again. He can't hear, and I can hear and see, so I help him out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Good night. Thank you. Good night.